Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey there, this is the Alt in Our Stars. That's the name of the podcast. Might remind you of a certain film, but this is the Alt in Our Stars. Nothing else. No imitations. Billboard's uh, rock and alternative music podcast. I'm your host, Chris Payne. Today I'm here with Chris Bayo, but for the purposes of this, just Bayo. Thank you. Uh, it, will you change the name to Paper Sounds if the new movie does really well? <laughs> oh, wow. About oh, my God. So, so some preparation went into that joke, but it was a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it landed. I Yeah, I looked at... Uh, my face was very... Was what was my face like when you dropped that? You couldn't believe it. It's like, oh. You could not believe what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would the theme of paper sounds be? Would it be like? It makes me think of flimsy, like artists who are here today, gone tomorrow. Oh, I don't know. I, I have to. I've. I'm not familiar with the plot of Paper Towns yet. I need to do a bit more research before I can get <laughs> back to you on the whole idea of the podcast. Okay, but there's an idea there. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> So you're, um, like I was saying, you're dropping the Chris for this. And you're, you've always DJed under Bayo. Yes. That's kind of what most people have called me, uh, except for my parents and uh, my wife. I think the majority of people have called me Bayo my whole life. So uh, it wasn't a too, too much of a tortured process to come up with my artist name. You just have one of those last names where people just go for it. It's that one or that two syllable, like Bam Bam. Yeah, and I always I kind of like that there are the three vowels next to each other. I think it looks mm. good on a piece of paper. Yeah, very aesthetically pleasing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and also there's always lots of Chris, I mean, there's always lots of Chris's running around. Too many, maybe even. I looked up. They have a. Um, it was like all the first names in the world and the average age of the first name, and Chris. The average. I mean, there's some I can't remember which ones are like in their 50s, you know, because names go in and out of fashion. But Chris, I saw, was 30. The average Chris is 30, and I'm 30. So okay. I feel okay being uh, a man with a name of my age, if it's, that makes any sense. It's like odds are if I just met you on the street and you said, oh, hey, I'm 30, and I'm a guy, odds <laughs> are your name would be Chris. Very highly, very highly. No there have been times where, um, like on a Vampire Weekend tour – because two of us are named Chris, we would have 
three people in our crew named Chris, and uh, the guy we worked with work with at XL is also named Chris. So it was more Chris's to non Chris's. So you know, Bayo. Even this just hammers home how much better of an artist named Bayo is. Mm-hmm. Well, he's CT. Exactly. Right? So there's really no Chris. Everyone's there are no Chris's. Individuality. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so you got this uh, debut solo album coming out. Mm-hmm. And I was at your was your debut solo show at Elvis Guest House, right? I've done a couple. Um, I, I did a little. I did something in London the night before I came to America at the end of June, where I sang with a string quartet. And I did um, I did school night last Monday in LA, which was kind of a similar setup to what I did this just previous monday and i did uh another string quartet thing so it was my fourth performance but uh the one with the most family and friends at it so it was definitely special Mm -hmm. yeah and it was a very hot day in new york might have been the hottest so far this year yeah it felt uh really terrible but i thought that the venue the uh ac was pretty decent you were marked on stage yeah, because I thought I was going to be completely dripping. I mean, I was completely dripping by the end, but uh, it was not as brutal as like if you stepped right outside the venue. So that mm-hmm. was nice. Well, you wore a blazer. Yeah, I'm really trying to wear a blazer to everything I do with this album. And I guess hmm. part of it is maybe seeing pictures of Brian Ferry over the years or Nick Cave and how they never don't look cool in my opinion, and seeing pictures of myself over the years, I never look cool. So um, it just, for me, it's my effort. And in general, my natural inclination is to be a raging slob. I drink a lot of coffee. Most of my clothes have coffee stains on it. So I guess in this, like, trying to be a front man, try to sing, it makes me sort of more mindful and maybe a little bit, I'm, I'm, thinking a bit more about how i present myself Mm. um i think you can get away with coffee stains barbecue sauce stains mustard stains when you're a bass player but i think for the front man i'm trying a little bit harder yeah not everyone can have a denim jacket with babar airbrushed on the back yeah i they i i like um i have a denim jacket that i've been wearing sometimes from time to time uh but not it's not going to be uh stage for this album hopefully it's i also get like insanely sweaty so it's sort of discipline to like see how far i can take it with mm. with wearing like a blazer always yeah that's not for people listening that's not very random but that was about ezra has that, that was has he that I, I that jacket is very very cool mm. yeah yeah but yeah you mentioned brian ferry in the press release mm-hmm. so he's a big not just style he's an influence all-encompassing on this album yeah, definitely. Um, there are sort of times in my life where I come around on an artist. Uh, I think when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I just, you know, there are some people who have put out like eight to 10 great albums and you could really just spend six months only listening to their work. Um, so in my early 20s, really listened to everything that Bowie put out from the late 60s to early 80s. And it's just this incredible run. And it's something fun for me to like be able to, at different points in my life, just go deep on an artist. And maybe in my mid-20s, I had never really spent that much time with Roxy music. And in my mid-20s, got into it. I think the first one I got into was Country Life. And then, you know, there are eight Roxy music records. I mean, I haven't 
he's put out so much solo music that I haven't heard. But just being able to go deep on that, it's fun because, I don't know, I, the older I get, it can be hard to have that same, like, excitement about music or mm-hmm. about movies. It's obvious, I mean, it's a cliche that you get, you're more likely to get jaded uh, as you get older, but still having these, like, really pure and uh, excited feelings about music that you didn't know was out there previously or that you hadn't heard, it, it like, makes me excited both as a music listener and as someone who makes music. Um, you know, it's there's something kind of interesting that I'm sure that there are albums that I've never heard of out there, songs that I would absolutely love that um, hopefully someday I'll discover over the rest of my life. So for me, it's just something that I listened to and obsessed over kind of around the same time that I started learning how to produce and um, record stuff. So it was a very overt influence and I'm not like afraid of high, uh, afraid of sharing that. Um, it's something that I really love. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. With what you were saying with aging and maybe getting more jaded, I've heard from numerous people, musicians, just writers, all sorts of people just saying a lot of the time it's the music that you listen to in those like peak teenage years, like 15, 16. Yeah. That it's just the time where you're most vulnerable to be really impacted by music. And like whatever you're into then is kind of just like what carries over, like kind of defines you. Yeah. I, I think that that's kind of natural as you're going through your teens and kind of becoming maybe more of a fully formed adult that, that the stuff that you fall in love with then is what, you know, you stick with. I like I try to, get into new stuff always um, just to not be too complacent as a music listener. I would say stuff though, like um, low, which I would have been 19 or 18 when I heard that for the first time, that's a record that I'll go to for go back to for the rest of my life. Um, Something like 13, the blur record, Mm -hmm. which I I love that record when I was in that age, like I, I probably was like 15 years old when that came out. That's something that, I go to, I listen to a couple times every year. So for me, anytime I hear something for the first time or really fall deep in love with it, um, it, it does kind of automatically bring me back to that age. Um, I had never heard the underworld record dub no bass with my head, man. I, I was familiar with some of the like Danny Boyle stuff, but they just reissued it last fall. And I spent all fall just listening to that record over and over. And it's like, crazy to me i had no idea how much i would love that record and to be 30 years old and fall in love with a record it just gets me mm-hmm. so excited about music and fall in love all over again you got it yeah, you know what i'm talking about there it is so i want to talk about dancing too okay and lo- probably loving that maybe loving it from a young age yeah you've always been a dancer on stage of vampire weekend with the bass yeah and the, vi- the video for sister of pearl new single so lots of dancing yeah, it's something I always, there was in the dining room table in like the house where I grew up, that was where the like speaker system was. So I just kind of walk around the table and dance to like Michael Jackson or Queen stuff kind of from when I was six years old. And uh, I don't think that I'm a good dancer, but I think I'm an enthusiastic dancer. And uh, for me, that works. So I just wanted to make sure that that kind of love was a part of the video um it's a little bit i found it a little bit more difficult to dance enthusiastically when uh the song was playing just back off of my phone as opposed to blasting like in a venue or at home so i felt a little weird being on the streets of london uh 
dancing like a huge doofus uh, to a song that no one else on the street could hear. But I still had a good time. Still uh, really loved it. Yeah, you're very deadpan. So I guess the enthusiasm <laughs> is in the moves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm, that's where it comes out. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, what made you want to move to London? Because it's been a few years, right? I've been there for two years now. Um, it was really just kind of a chance. It was through my wife's job. Her company offered to move us over there. And I grew up north of the city, went to school in the city, and lived in Brooklyn for six years. And it's very, very lucky. I'm, I'm completely aware to get the opportunity to move to another country uh, when you're 28 years old. And so I was very gung-ho and into it. Um, and it's just... It's nice. It feels like there's a, it's, it feels legitimately like another phase in my life. Um, and I really like it over there. So, yeah, I've been there two years. Plan on staying for a bit longer. We'll sort of see where life takes me. But, yeah, I like it. Cool. Yeah, I don't know anything really about London. I've never been there. What part of town do you live in? What's it like? Uh, I live in an area called Islington, which is in north london but fairly central a little bit east and uh a lot of families uh but you can kind of walk to a lot of younger areas like i guess i would say shoreditch uh, i'm not the first person in the world to say this. this is a little bit like williamsburg there's an area called dalston which is maybe a little bit more like bushwick and uh i'm gonna be moving when i get back over there to an area in south london that's maybe a bit more like bedsty if you were to hmm there's never going to be a direct translation. But, <laughs> it all comes uh, back to Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I have a very Brooklyn way of understanding the areas of London. Um, mm. And I guess Islington, to just complete this whole thought, is uh, Brooklyn Heights, okay. where I am. Yeah. Okay. What makes it Brooklyn Heights? Families? A lot of families, mm. the architecture, uh, the stores. Uh, yeah. Lots of strollers inside bars, hip parents bringing their kids to beer gardens. Yeah, there's some of that. There's some of that, and there's um, I guess you're not. Are you allowed? You're not allowed to bring dogs into bars here, right? No. You can bring dogs into bars and in, cool. in pubs in London. So they'll sometimes, I'll like turn around and almost trip over a big ass dog that snuck up behind me after I get a drink at a bar. Um. Yeah, it's I I like it there. I like it in Islington, but um, you know, it'd be fun to move south. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people should let dogs in more places. I feel like it's mostly just pet stores. Aside from that, it's just like, I mean, there's cool, like, yeah. I've worked in offices before that are, like, hip, and people, like, bring the dog in on Friday, but right. that's not the norm around here. Yeah, well, I think there's some, uh, you know, I understand the need for uh, food code and, and restaurant regulations and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, I don't... Uh, I have to do more research into the history of like mm. dogs and restaurants and why they're not allowed there. You don't um, want to put your argument right out now and like risk it. That's the thing. You really, I want to read up before I take <laughs> a, a real stand. I guess I'm just trying to say I, I like the vibe uh, in London of seeing uh, big dogs in in restaurants. Hopefully, that's not too like controversial to say. Mm. Yeah. Well, if the people are there down with it, it's probably been ingrained in the culture yeah and they have they have pub cats and it's kind of like bodega cats that's like one where it's there's like a translation like you go over the atlantic and the equivalent of the new york bodega cat is the pub cat and i like mm. that i like cats and pubs cool cool yeah yeah mm. so 
How long have you been back in the States? Uh, about a month now, um, and going to head back in a couple days. Cool. Got a show at churches coming up? Yes, tomorrow night. Going to be at Music Hall of Williamsburg. Uh, I'm excited to open for new label mates. Uh, I really loved their first album. I loved what I heard, uh, the first song that they put up. And uh, I think the thing with playing at uh, Elvis Guesthouse on Monday, which uh, you were there, and I appreciate that because, like, literally there were so many people from my life making up that crowd. <laughs> I would say over 50%. <laughs> so it felt a little bit like the um, equivalent of performing at both uh, a family reunion mixed with a high school reunion, just because it was so many people that like any time I would look down from singing, it would just be like someone that I've known for 15 years. And I think when you're performing and playing, you're kind of presenting an imagined version of yourself and to... Uh, like lock eyes with your wife while you're in the middle of singing a song. It's just a little bit too real, if you know what I mean. So I'm looking forward to opening for churches where there'll be a bunch of randos that I've never seen before in my life, and that I find that very comforting. Mm. Finding comfort in the randos. Absolutely. Mm. Were there any kind of like, you said it was mostly people you knew, maybe from high school. Were there any like kind of fringe friend randos who were like, wow, I know that person, <laughs> but I never would have expected this person from <laughs> high school to show up? No, well, it wasn't a public show. I think sometimes on, on tour there have been like... Uh... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Someone that I knew when I was 15 will pop up. Oh, there. Oh, man. The weirdest one. Uh, and if you're listening, Gina Ritchie, it's not nothing personal, but there was a girl named Gina Ritchie and like my first ever concert was with my cover band when I was 13 and it was her going away party she was moving back to Canada from uh, Westchester New York from the town where I grew up in called Bronxville so we played Gina Ritchie's going away party and I didn't see her for 12 years then um, the band was DJing this thing at the at spin at the ping pong place mm -hmm. like right when Contra was coming out I finished DJing and like walk out and it's Gina Ritchie only, you know, she was 13 the last time we, you know, crossed paths in 25. And it just, like, uh, felt like whatever synapses in my brain were. It was just so weird and random. Uh, 
and very uh, there's no real point to the story other than that, that that thing can happen from time to time but i like it i i it's always really interesting to sort of see people that you haven't seen for a really long time and see where they are in their lives so for me anyone that i ever grew up with that like hits me up uh in an email or whatever that wants to meet up i'm like always down to whatever get like lunch before a show anywhere in the world because i i like seeing where you know people that i grew up with are now so i love i love randos cool well that's quite a request you put out there or an offer oh i'm just uh, it's anyone you ever knew in any city that that can reach <laughs> me i will yeah i'll hang I'll, yeah down totally to i'm down to hang. hang yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i guess it's sort of like See, it's like a Facebook going through your your news feed, but it, but coming to life. Absolutely, IRL version of that feed. Absolutely. Mm. Only in real life, you can't click unfollow this person. Like you can still be friends with them, yeah. but not get their. their but updates. I get I, you know I get on whatever I get in the car and then I'm on to the next town. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's not. Uh, there's a very na- it's it's very much a limited amount of time that we'll be in one another's presence. Just if things get too terrible, and nothing's ever gotten terrible to anyone I've ever had lunch with. You've all been great. Mm. Well, lunch is a lot more tame than dinner or like getting drinks. It's it's like low stakes. Or a coffee. Coffee. I, yeah. I love getting coffee with people. Mm. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um. So just New York <laughs> this time around. So th- I love where we're going. I, I didn't expect this to be the conversation we were going to have. Um, I no, I was in I was in L.A. for two weeks. I uh, threw down in Sarasota, Florida, which is where my wife's from with her family and uh, her extended family. So it's been a little bit of a, a tour through America, um, but without getting to play every night, which is kind of my favorite part of being on tour. So it's a little bit um, it's not as satisfying as normal tour, I would say. Mm hmm. And there's still more tour coming up after this, right? Well, I, this isn't. I don't even. This isn't real like tour. I would say I, I the like first sort of real shows and playing a lot. It starts in September, um, in in Europe and then in America and kind of wherever else I can go. I uh, yeah, looking forward mm-hmm. to it. Cool. And there's a little bit going on with Vampire Weekend, right? Just a little bit of writing here and there, some stuff. Uh, I not for me. I've been uh. There's been uh, lunches and coffees with everyone for, for me um, in terms of like what I've been doing uh, while I've been in America because we're a little bit spread out. And I think it's natural when you know, a band finishes touring an album cycle to go off into you know, do your own thing. So I knew there was going to be a break. Um, at the same time, I'm sure that uh, you know, Ezra and Rostam are thinking about the next record all the time. Um, but... For me, it's been sort of this is the time now to make my record and tour it. So, mm-hmm. no, uh, I have no updates for you, really. Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically like they they do a lot of the writing on the songs, and when the time is ready, you'll add the bass, CT will add the drums. It like. really depends. There's kind of no rules. But um, for now, it's just been um, this record, and I, I, I just knew that there would be a break, so I sort of threw myself into making the record um, last summer and sort of finished it. I the mastering studio where um, I mastered the record is literally around the corner from here, so bringing me back oh, really? to finishing the record. Yeah. And for people listening, we're uh, like near Union Square, near Astor Place. There's yeah. A, there's lots. There's lots of billboard stands out there, so I don't want to give too much information oh, about oh. the billboard office. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> 
There, there are crazy billboard people with like billboard tattoos and stuff. I don't know about tats. Maybe we've also changed our logo slightly. You should give lifetime free subscription to people with billboard tattoos. Yeah, we. we really I think that'd should. be cool. Because we changed our logo slightly like two years ago. Oh. So if anyone did get a tattoo maybe like five years ago, they really lost out. Oh, wow. So Shit. I would feel bad for them. They they deserve maybe be... a family subscription. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But I can't give those things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And also Facebook is taking this building in like a month. Oh, okay. You're going to have to move? Yeah, we, we have it. we're moving to like near Grand Central. Okay, cool. So, yeah. No? It's fine, but I okay. I like I like this part of town. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Mm-hmm. So you said the studio is like very close to here, like just the mastering studio. Um, so it's I, I flew to New York for uh, a day in at the end of January and mastered it around the corner at a place called the Lodge, with an incredible mastering engineer named Emily Lazar. Cool. And as far as like production, also I'm not like a a studio person, so mm-hmm. I, I I mix up these engineering production. But yeah, yeah. So you produced all of it. Yeah, so the process was just kind of recording at home and and learning how to record sort of starting in 2009, which is when I first um, started trying to make music on my own. And basically was writing the songs, editing, coming up with ideas. And then last summer, um, I was lucky enough to be given like two weeks to work in a studio with an engineer, a guy named John Foyle, who's the engineer for Richard Russell, the head of XL. Mm-hmm. And that was where the record really kind of came together um, in terms of vocals, performance. Because for me, I would write a song, say, have all the production ideas, have the lyrics written, have the melodies written. And I found that that was maybe like 50% of the battle of the song and really being able to get a good vocal performance, which is something I'd never done in my life and something that I was happy with. Um, <laughs> that was what we really did basically every day for... It ended up taking three weeks uh, last summer in London. So that was sort of the first step of bringing someone else in. Because the record, I'd been thinking about this record probably since 2009 and what I would want my record to sound like and to be. Um, So the first person to bring in was John Foyle, um, who I think, you know, he's, I guess he's 24. I think you're going to see his name on a lot of great records for a very long time. Um, the next step was uh, mixing. So after I had sort of gotten all my ideas down, all the performances, it's really like refining it. And my manager found a guy named Bruce Lampkov. Um, and the reason why my manager su- suggested that was because he found that there was some parallels between my music and uh, the band The The, which is really a solo project of a guy named Matt Johnson. And Bruce had co-produced the last three The The records. And... I was a fan and um, really loved a lot of uh, the early The The Records. I hadn't heard Dusk, which is the first record that Bruce co-produced, and I got obsessed with it in between finishing and mixing. So when Bruce was mixing the record, I flew out to L.A. and spent two weeks working in his home studio in Malibu and could really just reference tracks off of Dusk for like vocal sound or what I wanted the bass to sound like or the guitar. And he, um, really incredible guy who doesn't work on very many records anymore so he sort of came out of retirement and did an awesome job i like he made me love listening to something that i've been working on pretty intensely for the last two years so that would have been the second phase of working with someone else and then the last phase was mastering which i did around the corner in uh with you know emily mastered it but uh at the end of january mm-hmm. so this has really been a long work in progress 
Very much so. Very much so. Like six years. Yeah, about, yeah. Mm. Between uh, the idea or wanting to make a record and actually getting to have it come out. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I really, I like, I've only gotten to like a couple, maybe two good listens to the whole album. Got it yesterday. But one thing right off the bat, I love nine song albums. I love it when an Thank album you. has like less than 10 songs. It's such like, you're talking about Roxy music. Mm-hmm. A lot of their albums have that like old LP feel of just like four on one side, four on the other. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank, I love that you said that. Um, I really do like albums with less than 10 songs myself. I, I mean, there's obviously plenty of great albums with a lot of songs on it, but in a way, the less songs you have on an album, the easier it is to have a unique identity for each mm. song. So coming up, it's just, n- what this is like a stupid thing to say, but like 14 unique identities for songs is much harder to come up with than nine or eight. So I, um, a lot of my favorite records from that era, or like Maggot Brain is a record that is one of my favorite records of all time. Um, and was probably an influence for the record as a whole. It's, you know, seven songs, eight songs. Um, so it was definitely, I, I knew exactly what I wanted the record to be. I wanted there to be instrumentals. I wanted it to be experimental, but also have pop songs on it. Um, so, yeah, and I was very much thinking of it in terms of LP sides. Uh, the first five songs kind of run together as a continuous mini-mix. The last four do. Um, that's very much... Uh, one of the ideas and sort of guiding principles of making the record. Mm. Cool. And I was also really interested in Sister of Pearl and sharing it when first as the single because I really like it and it stands, I think, like, in what went into making it probably with the mm-hmm. instrumentation. It's a lot different from the others, right? Well, it sort of depends. The The setup is not that different from Needs or Endless Rhythm. Those are kind of the three on the record that I'd consider like traditional bands mm-hmm. set up. Um, I sort of made the record and it's pretty clear when you listen to the whole thing that the like uh, seven minute uh, techno centerpiece is not going to be the first single, <laughs> but I'm not like too picky in terms of what would be the first single to send out. So, um, you know, sent the record to my management and to, glass note and they had a conversation and basically thought that sister of pearl should be the first single and i'm totally happy with it because i guess the fact that i spent so long on this record and thinking about this record and making it i you know i I finished it for real in january and there's not a single thing i would change i'm really happy with every single second of the record so um if the people that are hearing it with fresh ears think that sister of pearl should be the first single then that's like cool by me Mm. And what is a sister of Pearl? Um, you know, again, there's a famous, uh, rock, not again, but there's a famous Roxy music song called Mother of Mother, Pearl. Yeah. And I was sort of thinking about turns of phrase and classic songwriting and mm-hmm. um, something that just sounds like a song title, something that sounds like a song title that could be from the 50s, 60s, 70s, just kind of a bit more throwback and... Uh, I don't know, the title popped in my head, and I liked it. Have you seen uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? No, I've never seen it. Like, it's so funny. I love that movie. I've seen it twice. I'm going to watch it again sometime soon, but, like, he'll be getting in a fight with his wife, and, like, she'll say something, and he'll start, like, being like, oh, song title, and he'll start singing, singing, like, a made-up song. It's a little bit the the process of coming up with a title, like Sister of Pearl is a little bit uh, dumb like that. But just, yeah... 
title came to me and liked it and ran with it. Yeah, and lyrically, it's like a pick-me-up song to someone, right? Yeah, I think it's just, uh, you know, be who you want to be. Like a lyric, like, it is what it is until it was what it was. That's just an idea, like, you can, if you don't like your situation, uh, you can either accept it and, you know, time will pass and that'll be that, or you can do something else with your life. So it's kind of, yeah, just be who you want to be. And uh, very, very simple lyrical Mm. message of that one, I would say. Mm. We could tie that back to the college kids you were talking about. Yeah. For those, well, this wasn't on the podcast, but we have to 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 explain this. Before (laughs) we started the podcast, I had, there's always like a question, a timely question to ask the artists who come into Billboard that's tied to something coming up. And for us, it's back to school. So I asked Chris like, oh, what are some like pieces of advice you can give to high school students or college students, really any students who are like starting school, maybe trying to find themselves, maybe want to get into music? Well, I went very uh, nerd technical with my answer, which was like uh, biologic. <laughs> that's, that's how not, you find yourself. Yeah, that's that's just a little bit bigger. Uh, but yeah, just yeah, find yourself. But also, I guess I did an interview the other day where someone asked me to give advice uh, to his eight-month-old child. And I said that um, don't get too caught up in the moment, like feeling and emotion can be very heavy uh i mean i don't if you're like in your mid-30s getting your phd maybe you understand it a little bit more than like a 15 year old or an 18 year old but i do think it's something that i've kind of realized more recently in my life is that emotion in the short term fades and kind of what really matters is to be happy with who you are and be good to the people around you so that would be that's uh that's one piece of advice uh that I think is really uh, applicable to everyone even an 8 month old. Absolutely. Mm. Don't dwell on things when you're 8 months old. It's too early. Don't, yeah. Live exactly. You got to live your life. Exactly. Got to live. Got to live. <laughs> well, I think that's a good note to end on. Very All right, very, cool. very positive words. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that concludes an episode of the Altenar Stars. Oh, and I would be remiss if I didn't say my album's coming out September 18th. On Glassnote. It's called The Names. Had to just drop that in there. Is that okay? Yes. Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> um, this is the Altenar Stars, not yet Paper Sounds. For now, the Altenar Stars. We'll see how things play out. I like, I like the title. <laughs> I think it's both. always good to have another idea kicking around. Oh, yeah. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast by clicking on the iTunes link towards the bottom of the story. A new episode runs every Friday afternoon. You can also listen to archived episodes by clicking the iTunes link. Last week's um, had Robert DeLong on. Before that, Albert Hammond Jr. Lots of good stuff archived in there, so check that out. And until next week, uh, have a good weekend, guys. Peace out. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.